0: hey TV. I am so excited to introduce you to my friend Jordan Jordan welcome to becoming Me
1: what's going on
0: so glad you're here you are our second guy interview how awesome is this y'all um, and let's kick it off with the best most fun question like who in the world is Jordan
1: ah uh, that's so tough I was battling with this question all week because like <laughs> it's so difficult to like Place things on yourself and say who you are. And I think, like, um, over the last couple of months, I've been more discovering who I am because I've been stripping back so much of my life through COVID and everything, everything's taken away. So you're like kind of back to this like foundational of, you're right, who am I? Who are you? And um, what are your grassroots? What's the foundation of who you are? And, you know, um, I was a preacher, youth pastor out in Jersey for the last two years. Um, currently in Denver Colorado just kind of living life (laughs) Um, my sister and brother-in-law live out here Um, so I bought a new car traveled across country stopped in a couple places Um, but yeah you know I really I'm Jordan I have a heart for seeing people really made alive in Christ and um, to the fullness of what that means also you know we hate seeing people settle for where they're at or not really tapping into everything that Christ has for them. Um, which is actually what really attracted me to the, um, becoming me, everything that you're doing, because it's like talking about, you know, how are we moving forward into who we're destined to be, you know? So to ask who we are today is we're just along this roadmap on a process of who God's making us to be. Um, and I'm just excited to be part of that, you know?
0: I'm excited to have you be a part two. And one thing I've learned about you is that you're very passionate about worship. So what's yeah. your worship song?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, oh my goodness. It depends on the day, but I'm going to say, I honestly think I want to go back to like inside out by Hillsong United. Um, <laughs> just like I think that so much of the faith is like produced on the outside like we try to produce this perception that we're believers from the outside in and we want to show people that I'm a good person we want to show people who we are and that song is just like from the inside out of my soul I cry out and that really only comes from this inner heart change that the Lord puts into you that then like produces fruit out of you and that song to me is just always like it's so rooted It's so rooted in who I am and and what I live for and just reminds me like of anything that comes out of me can't be even produced by me.
2: Mm -hmm. It needs
1: to all be produced by God. Um, That's my number one worship So I wish I could sing, man.
0: I wish I could sing too. Definitely cannot. I'll stick to speaking. Uh, (laughs) But the last thing, we talked about Enneagram a little bit before we hopped on. And uh, what Enneagram number are you?
1: I'm an eight so i like to be in control and it's really hard for me to like not be super blunt and just like tell it how it is um but something that i've learned with that being an eight i've had to adapt to this that i had to show people if you're an eight just take this you gotta let people know that you love them before you critique them um i've got a really close friend of mine who's actually a one and ones are right ones are perfectionists and they like to like hey, like I could help you with what you're going through. But in the same way ones and eights kind of approach people sometimes before that person is ready to receive yeah. what you have to say. So like being able to establish that love for people that they know where your heart is and where it's coming from has been so important in my leadership walk. you know.
0: No, that's really good, very, very good point. So we talked a little bit about who you are now. Um, I would love for you to take a few moments to unpack your journey. Like what's your story? What has made you who you are today? Yeah
1: yeah so I grew up in Jersey at the Jersey Shore. We don't pump our gas, we pump our fists, and uh, you know, I grew up in the church actually, and my dad and mom were always um very heavily involved in the church. Um My dad's been elders at multiple churches, worship leaders um at different churches, and my mom's always been involved in women's ministry. Um, but for me, I think growing up in the church was more it uh, was always just like a Sunday thing. And really, if it was my choice, it'd be a no day thing, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. So from a a young age, I always knew who God was. I always knew that at some point in my life, you know, I'd start taking this seriously. I'd start walking the path that Christ had for me. But I wanted to fit in as much of me and as much of the world as I could before I came to that place, Um, you know. So that was really like my life path growing up. Um, was always, my mom would always say like, you can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church, you know, the saying, and, uh, that was my life until 2017, August 26 2017. Um, yeah. Which is like, when you look at the clock, it's like not that long ago. Um, but you know, God was so gracious to me growing up, giving me such a firm background Mm
2: -hmm. that
1: the second that he captured my heart. And really revealed himself to me to the point that he was undeniable to me. Um, it was like everything that I needed to know to start my faith walk was was already in me. Um, and so it was like it was very it was very crazy. It was really a crazy transition. Um, but I went to Colorado Christian University out in Denver. That's where I got saved. Going into my junior year, uh, sorry, my senior year. Um, I played two years of basketball there. Um, Growing up in Jersey, playing basketball there, moving out to Denver um, was like super exciting. At the time, Denver was, um, I think, one of only two states in America that had legalized marijuana. And that was like a big draw for me, although, you know, my parents didn't know that that was really like a big draw for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so much of my life was secret at that point. Um, But yeah, I remember going into my senior year of college and it was sometime within the last year of that, that I was watching the Olympics
0: okay.
1: with my friend um, on the couch at our house. And we're watching these people who are like doing like the, you know, like the little, I don't know what that thing's called. You know what I'm talking about? Like shuffle boards on ice.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. And we're watching this and we're like, man, like, if I dedicated my life to that, I might be good at that. You know? And it was like, there's nothing in my life that I'm really, really good at. And I think that like, part of what you do and part of what each of our walks are about is like finding the thing that God has made you to do. You know, we were all given gifts. We were all given skills and those skills ultimately were given to us to build the kingdom. And we have a choice, whether we want to build the kingdom with them or whether we don't, Mm -hmm. you know, whether we want to use our gifts to bring people to death or to life. And um, for a long time I chose death for a long time, I chose that I wanted to be the person throwing the coolest parties, or I wanted to be the person, um, you know, that people wanted to be like, and I thought that if I wanted people to want to be like me, I had to fall into a certain mold, Um, you know, which is, I think, something that really, like, is contagious in our generation, and our culture,
2: Mm -hmm. of,
1: like, if I want people to want to be like me I got to look like that person because I want to look like that person if I look like that person and this person wants to look like me and that was just so much of um what I was driven after um you know so going into my senior year um I kind of had like a life plan for myself um where I wanted to go into real estate I actually had a girlfriend of three years um almost three uh at that point it was two years um and I thought Denver was where I was going to be. And um, so much of my life was secret, you know, aside from all the sin that I was living in, all the sin that I was living in, I was also hiding. Yeah. So, and like when I talk to people about, you know, they're like, oh, well, like I do this and it's not really that bad of a thing. Like, who are you lying to, to do that?
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, because that, if anything, like the, the relationships that God's given to you in your life that are so valuable and important, and you're kind of like, you know, saying that it doesn't matter if you even know who I am, and then we say that we're not fully known, right. but it's because you've been so shut off to people. Like I think about my family, who walked with the Lord for so long, um, and I always say, like, if I listened to every piece of advice my mom ever gave me, I never would have made a mistake in my life. <laughs> you know, and yet my life was such a lie to her that it didn't, it didn't even matter that I had that relationship. I wasn't even putting that relationship, um, into effect.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I was headed into my senior year and I had this whole plan for myself and I started experiencing a lot of spiritual warfare wow. in my house off campus. And you can ask my old roommates about it. We, we named this, whatever we would all experience, we gave it a name like Kim, like as a joke. And, um, you know, throughout this process of living in this house and, and continually living in sin, you know, there was so much shame over our sin because it had to be hidden Mm -hmm. that the devil found a way to attack it because you wouldn't talk about it. The devil continually attacked it and built it and it got deeper and it got more numb and it got shoved down. And I remember just being in this place where I had so much to hide. I couldn't even hold all the lies inside of me anymore, and it was so deep inside of me that i started really questioning my worth mm-hmm. i started questioning my value and when i looked at my life there was nothing in it of value hmm. you know so it was like we we say like you know the lies of the devil like we're corrupting my mind yeah but are the lies of the devil truths of the devil when you're living for the devil you know like i was living in this place of full sin full rejection of god and the thoughts of my lack of value, God put value into me. I didn't have value before God enabled the value in my life through the Holy Spirit. Like the way that I was living, the things that the devil was speaking over me were true to the life that I was living at the time. Um, And it was August 27th, 2017, where I was in my bedroom and I had, gone to the night, I had gone to bed super early because I was really, really struggling. I was really, really struggling. Um, and I remember these thoughts going all in my mind. And I started trying to combat them with anything positive in my life. So I was like, oh, well, like, I have great parents. Well, they don't even know who I am. I have a great girlfriend. Well, she doesn't really know who I am. I haven't really treated her great behind the scenes. Well, I have, you know, I have a, I have a decent job opportunity. Well, there's not really any... For, for me, there's not really any fulfillment in that, you know? So I, I had all of these things that I had built up in my life. And when push came to shove, there was nothing to hold on to for me. And in my weakest hour, in my, in my darkest moment, I remembered my mom um, telling me, like, if you, if you spoke the name of Jesus, that, like, the devil would flee, that demons would flee. But I didn't want to go that far. So I went and I was like, you know what? Where's my Bible? Now I'm at a Christian university living with, with five Christians and there's not one Bible to be found in this house. Um, and we're searching everywhere. I like got my roommates out of bed, like to help me find a Bible. <laughs> and, and I walked back into my room and this is where I experienced God. I, I walked back into my room and um, I, heard, I heard a voice in my room. Ultimately, I heard God's voice in my life and it said, Get on your knees, you're mine. And literally out of nowhere, I'm just like and I told you earlier, I'm an Enneagram eight, so nothing amazes me more than the power of God and showing me how little I am and being powerless before the creator of the universe on your face and tears. Literally, like I was like drinking water and it was pouring out of my eyes. That's how much I was crying. Of just like the the power of God, the presence of God. And from that moment, I went into my garage and I threw out all my paraphernalia. In that moment, I went into the refrigerator and threw out all my bottles of booze. In that moment, my life was forever changed. And that night, that night I spent in prayer. Like, I don't even know if I had ever, I had prayed before, but I had never like spent time alone talking to God with my faith as my own. Um, And he really laid out the path for me where he wanted me to be where he wanted me to go um and I'd love to say even that I was obedient to that at that moment you know um because I I had a Jonah moment shortly after that where God was telling me to go work for this church back in New Jersey Mm -hmm. So my old youth pastor um had just planted a church Wellspring Church in Tom's River and um he's telling me to go there and I'm like well, like I've given up so much of my life already. Like maybe I could hold on to a couple parts here, mm. you know, I'll give up the drugs. I'll give up, um, sleeping around. I'll give up these things, Yeah. but i kind of want to hold on to a couple things for a period of time. Um, I'll take a, I'll take a pause there for a second. I'm sure you want to get something in.
0: Wow. <laughs> I mean, what a journey and thank you for unpacking yeah. this who who you were and how you leaned in and trusted God and got flat on your face and you embraced just being super vulnerable, yeah. like that's big deals. So thank you for unpacking that. And then I love how you even pivoted to because it's so easy for all of us to think like, oh, I have this moment with Jesus and then I'm gonna be. Perfect as the Enneagram. Life's good. Yeah, exactly. Like I'll, I'll just follow him perfectly now. And yeah. so you have that moment that's super powerful. You remember the day. It impacts you deeply. And then you step out, and he asks you to do the next thing, and you're like, eh, maybe not. Yep. And um, so, walk us through like how did you? Because then I know you did end up going there. Yeah. So walk me through that ah, part of man. your journey.
1: Yeah. So it was about a year before. I, so I got saved August 27th, September 1st of 2018 was my first day at Wellspring. So almost a year and like three days. Um, so he called me to this church and he told me, I said, because I I told him, God, I don't know anything about ministry. I don't really even know that many people in ministry. I haven't been in contact with them that I could just like reach out. And he put the name Jason Koash on my heart. And I was like, oh, no, now it's going to be real. I don't want to do that. So I didn't call him.
0: You're a youth pastor?
1: Yes. Okay. So I didn't want to call him. Okay. Um, And, you know, six months later, um, Jason called me on a whim. And he said, hey, like, God just put you on my heart. We're looking for someone to start our youth ministry. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'll pray about it. Now, this is like, exactly like, yeah, I'll pray about it. How many of us do that? (laughs) um you know because I'm still I'm still um dating this girl that I've been with for a long time that was really one of my main reasons that I didn't want to move gotcha. um, I thought she was I thought she was the future for me
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and uh I told him no I told him no and I said you know what if God wants me in ministry I'll find my own way there and I signed up for a mission trip to go to Kenya <laughs> okay Literally, like Jonah, when he gets sent to Nineveh, goes to the end of the known world. Like at at that point in time, where he was headed was literally the furthest he could possibly go. And in this moment where God's calling me to New Jersey, I decide to go to New York and then Qatar and then Kenya and stay there for two weeks. Working in the second biggest slum in the world. Wow. There are a million children in this slum. 800 of them get to go to school. 800 wow. out of a million get to go to school. And I was working at that school, ministering the students.
2: Wow.
1: Um, and so much happened on that trip. I remember I was the first time I'd ever ministered to somebody, discipled anybody. I'm sitting at this table with five or six um, students and God just started speaking through me. And I was like, what the heck is happening? Like these are, I don't, I don't even know what I'm telling you right now. Like I got up from that table and I was like, I don't know who said all of these things. And this was the first time it ever happened to me like that. And I felt the Lord say, this is what I made you for. Mm -hmm. And I immediately went back to that Olympic moment of saying, I'm not good at anything. (laughs) And I remember God saying, as I'm ministering to this table of students, this is what I made you for. This is what you're good at. This is why I created you. Um, That night, I'm sharing my testimony with my Kenya team. And I share my whole story about how I got saved and God called me to ministry. And I leave out the part that I'm literally Jonah right now. And my buddy Bryce was in the room who, who was the only one in the room who knew the whole story that I was running and I get done. Everyone's like, you're, you know, praising me, encouraging me. And little do they know, like I'm literally Jonah in the belly of the whale (laughs) and uh, Bryce goes, that's not the whole story. And I'm like, Like, looking at him, like, come on, bro. Like, don't do that to me. And um, I end up sharing the rest of the story, how I was actually running. I walk back to my room that night. Sitting next to my bed is a letter from Pastor Jason.
2: Wow.
1: Sitting next to my bed is a letter from Pastor Jason saying, after I shared my testimony, if you were defined by your past, you would be A, B, and C. But you're a child of God, which means you're a new creation. For some reason, um, God continually puts you on my heart to come work this job. This is your last offer. Do you want to come work for me oh in God. Kenya? <laughs> in, in Kenya,
0: you get back to the states, and you're like, "I'm going." And you. Move. Oh,
1: I, I called him that night. I called him in Africa.
0: <laughs> wow. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. So I mean. That And that really started the process because for a year, I was in like this holding period of disobedience. And the day that I actually fully accepted, I accepted my salvation yeah. a year earlier, but I didn't surrender to God's plan until a year later.
0: Big difference. Yes. Big that's difference.
1: And a lot of people start here and stay here their entire yeah. lives. And we never say, you know, I'm willing to actually be obedient and follow what God has for me. I want the salvation, but I don't want the responsibility of my salvation. Um, and when I got back, um, my pastor out here in Denver, Nuru Alphonse, awesome preacher, amazing preacher. Um, he was talking about how every Christian, this is the first sermon back, how every Christian is waiting for this big breakthrough moment. And this might be a word for somebody today. Every Christian sitting here waiting for a breakthrough moment. I'm going to kick my porn addiction. I'm going to stop smoking cigarettes. I'm going to stop idolizing um, idolizing anything in my life, money, my job, my position, my status. I, all of this is going to happen. One morning I'm just going to wake up. Christ is going to show up in my room and clean everything out. And he was talking about um, the, pro, the concept of glory to glory that every day we move 1% closer to Christ, 1% closer to Christ. It's not about waking up and just changing your entire life. That does happen to some people. You hear some some testimonies where like my life was just like this. Yeah. Um, and at the end of that sermon, he challenged everybody to close your eyes and witness yourself. Um, imagine yourself before the, the throne.
2: Yeah.
1: And what are the bricks that are blocking your vision?
2: Wow.
1: And every day that week to take one down and say, God, I hand this to you. God, I hand this to you. God, I hand this to you. So I got back in June. That was my first sermon. I left like August 27th. Wow. The next year I left to drive across country from June to August. Every morning I woke up and I said, God, what's one brick mm. that I can take out of my life right now? And He had me calling ex-girlfriends from high school. He had me calling friends that I had wronged. He had me telling my parents my deepest, darkest secrets of the lies that I had built. Every morning I'd wake up and like, my mom would make me breakfast because I was living at home when I got back from Kenya. And I'd sit down at the breakfast table and just be like, mom, Mom, dad, I got to tell you something again. And every single morning for three months, there was a a different lie um, that I had to correct. But a lot of the time when God wants to move us forward, we got to go backwards and clean up our past before we can really get there Mm -hmm. because we can't be pulling this bag of stuff with us everywhere we go. There's freedom in that, but the freedom in that only comes when we allow God to redeem us from it, you know? So where he was bringing me, he was saying, you can't bring this stuff with you. Um, So I had to clean up so much of my past before I could even step into what God had for me, you know?
0: I love how you unpacked. That moment of salvation, but then the journey of surrender. And that's really the journey of becoming. I mean, every single day, the only way you can become who God made you to be is to walk in surrender to Him. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and if you were, so let's say you're having a cup of coffee, it's a cold, snowy day in Denver. (laughs) And
1: I like coffee pretty uh, room temperature, but go on.
0: Why room temperature? Let's just pause on that for a second.
1: Really? I don't know. I, I buy coffee, I put it on the table for about, oh, I put it on a table for about 20 minutes and then I start drinking it.
0: Oh yeah. my, no.
1: Something's so
0: just, it's not iced coffee, but you like it in the middle.
1: If I get iced coffee, I wait for the ice to melt.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> So so you order your lukewarm coffee and mine's really hot and i don't know how this other person is ordering their coffee but you're sitting down and you're encouraging someone else they're on their own becoming journey wow what would you say to encourage
1: them yeah you know i think i think a lot of times we question the sovereignty of god um and what i mean by that um Going into almost just really quickly the next part of the story, the season that I'm in currently, um, I actually, after two years, I, was, I accepted a two-year internship at that church, which turned into a full-time job. I, I built a youth ministry from 12 to 100, and it was really like an, an awesome experience. And coming towards the end of that season, I felt God calling me out. I felt God saying, your time here is up. And he wasn't necessarily saying, this is what's next. Um, And that's the season that I'm in right now is that I'm unemployed. I received my last paycheck this morning. It was super bittersweet. Um, I received my last paycheck from my church this morning. um, And that's why I'm out in Denver. I'm just traveling and I'm really like spending a lot of alone time with God. I'm trying to value the season that I'm in. Um, But we question the sovereignty of God because there were moments during this past uh, month or two that I've asked like, God, like, why are you doing this? Why are you calling me out without showing me what's next? Um, and I was even talking to a friend, excuse me, the other day who was saying like, um, God sent me home from school and I thought I was supposed to be down here at the university building relationships. What do I do now? And I think it's because we tried to put our plans and God's plans and like, we just assume that our plans and God's plans are always the same. And we assume that anything that goes against our plan can't possibly be something that's that's like put there by God that's called by God that's planned by God um you know God takes the worst of situations and makes them for our good according to his will and that's the key according to his will Um, so for anyone like this season that you are in right now has a purpose you know we look at COVID we look at coronavirus that hit us and It was it was so detrimental to society, to mental health, to so many different aspects of our lives. Um, But how many of us were able to see and identify maybe some areas of hurt in our lives that we had never dealt with before because we spent so much time in quiet? You know, how many of us were able to identify maybe some of the foundational parts of our lives that really were unhealthy that we were building on? Um, every season that God puts you in, there's a purpose for it. He's either preparing you for what's next, or he's using what he's already given to you for now. Um, so like in this season right now, God has prepared me for this in my last two years of ministry. And in the season right now, he's preparing me right now for what is next and every season has a value and you don't have to be on a stage to have value you don't have to be making a bunch of money to have value you don't have to be in the relationship to have value every season that you're in has value because it's ordained by God and he's preparing you for what's next he's preparing you for who he's called you to be you know that's something that I've really been um passionate about lately you know so good. I'm a hobo just driving around the country. (laughs) And it's like, this has a purpose.
0: Yep. I love that. I love what you said about every season being ordained by God. And it's so true. I recently listened to a podcast episode that was talking about something similar in terms of I could be so fixated on my vision for my life that I miss out on God's vision for my life. And you can yeah. literally end up settling because your dream is what you think is the best thing ever. But God has something so different and so much better for us. Yeah. So surrendering to him is pivotal. Yeah. Amen. So I,
1: I, I did my, my thesis for my master's degree on, um, what did I call it? I called it Before the Next Door. And it was a story about the Israelites in the desert and we're always looking for this next door we're always looking for the promised land what's next but there's so but so often God wants to teach us lessons in the desert God needs you in the room that you're in right now because there's lessons here that if you go through that next door and you haven't learned what he needs to teach you where you're at you won't be prepared for what he has for you
0: so, um
1: like the desert is so important in between the exodus and the promised land you know that, that they spent 40 years yeah. wandering yeah he had to kill off half a population because they weren't going to be fruitful in the next season. And for a lot of us, there's areas of our hearts that need to be killed off that aren't ready for the next season. Um, yeah, and,
0: yeah, Dude, you're dropping wisdom all over the place. And I know so many who are watching your story are going to want to know how to connect with you or how yeah. to continue following along your journey. So yeah. we'll have your Instagram linked in this post, but tell us a little bit about your blog we'll your right there. Yeah, I'm so used to on Instagram, stories it's followed right here, yeah. um, but tell us a little bit about your blog. It just launched, you're posting uh, blogs, tell us where people can connect with you there.
1: Yeah, so um, part of this season that I'm in was, you know, I wanted to stay fresh in what I know God has called me to, which is to minister to people, um, so what I decided to do was stretch myself and start writing. I'm I'm a preacher, I hate writing. Um, when it literally I'll write a blog and I'll read it 30 times in my living room, like just like preaching it. Cause I'm like, all right, I can't imagine writing this without preaching it. Um, so I'm stretching myself with my blog. JordanRC.com um, is my website. My awesome friend, Oscar Galindo um, from creative agency, just built me this website. It's super cool. Um, and you know, through that website, I've actually been able to book uh, three or four, preaching um engagements over the that's next awesome. before the end of the year, um, which is really exciting. So that's part of the website as well. Um so I would love to come to preach to whoever you know is in need of that, whoever um yeah, really needs that. I love to um just empower people to be who they want who, who God needs them to be. And who God's called them to be. And I think that, like, our generation has such a problem with being bold about their faith, is really the main thing. Um, I think we're so bold about our brands, we're bold about our political views, we're bold about our sports teams. um, But I think the world is really calling a lot of people to be bold about their faith because, you know, the times are coming. The times are coming. They will come. We don't know if it's right now, but right now is the best time to get prepared for what's coming. And, and you're going to need to stand on your two feet and claim who Jesus is. Um, there's a ladybug going by me. That's pretty cool. Um, sorry.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: ABD 8.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. This is so good. Thanks for unpacking your story and your journey. For all of you watching, we will have the links to connect with Jordan and his blog in this post. So you can follow along. Jordan, thank you so much for sharing with us today. I appreciate yeah.
1: it. Thanks for having me.